You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Spoke Media. Not Sorry Productions. Hi, Julia. Hi, Vanessa. How are you today? Well, I saw a rat on the subway and I screamed, so it's not going great. Did you scare other people when you screamed? Yeah, and this is not the first time this has happened to me. I always scream when I see rats and then I always scare people more than the rat scares them, but they feel as afraid as I feel afraid, so I feel like it's equalizing it. I would just like our audience to know that she is so brave about so many other things. Snakes, spiders. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) So what should we call today's episode? He's horrible. Okay, I'm not going to disagree with you. Let's read. Yeah. Girlfriend, 18-year-old woman, lied about her virginity to me, 20-year-old man. My long-distance girlfriend of eight months claimed she was a virgin since the beginning of our relationship without me even asking. During the relationship, she kept telling me things like how nice it was for me to be her first, how nobody saw her body before, how she never gave anyone oral before me, etc., One day, I run into her ex's social media page, and I find stuff there that makes me speculate that she was lying about being a virgin. I was really upset, and I confronted her about it. She admitted that she had had sex with him multiple times. It really hurt, and it almost made me want to just throw away everything that we had built, but I sympathized with her because... Her ex was very manipulative. He pressured her into having sex. She claimed that every time they had sex, it was either because she was drunk or he threatened to break up with her. Ever since we talked about this, our relationship has been tough. I've been having a very hard time moving on and getting back to the way things were. My trust for her has been coming back because I know she did not lie about anything else other than that. But I still feel very uncomfortable with the idea of sex. The pain I feel is similar to the pain someone gets when their significant other cheats on them. Every time she mentions her body, I remember how she lied about me being the first to see it, and I keep remembering similar lies she kept telling me for months. I don't know how to cope with this and move on. I still love her so much, but my view on her has changed, and I can't seem to treat her the way I did anymore. Bad man. Okay, say more, because the way he's written this, it's that he's upset that she lied. It's not that he's upset that somebody else has, like, seen her naked before. If what he said was, 
Part of the reason I loved her was that she was a virgin and that she was pure. And I loved that I was the only one who had ever seen her naked. That meant so much to me. And now that that's not true, ugh, I would I would be with you and be like, bad man. But the fact that he feels lied to. Yeah. They were in a long-distance relationship for eight months. It sounds like this was a really traumatic past experience for her. I don't feel like she owed it to him to tell him. And I wonder if—she definitely lied, but I'm not sure— She was wrong to lie, and I'm sure part of the reason she was saying all of these things to him is that she wishes it were true, and she's only 18. I'm sure she wishes all of those things were true and that this formerly loving relationship was the first time she'd ever been intimate with someone, and it wasn't when she was being manipulated into having sex. So I think he's not considering any of that. He's just thinking, I used to think— that I was the first person to see you naked and now I'm not and that's hard for me. But I don't I don't care about that feeling that much. So I agree with everything you said. Like I I am not mad at her, right? Like and I don't I don't think she's done anything wrong, but I think you can be hurt by someone and know that they didn't do anything wrong. I think you can say I think you had really good reasons to lie to me, but I'm still really hurt that you lied to me. Right? Like, things can hurt your feelings, even if they're not wrong. He says her ex was very manipulative. He pressured her into having sex. Like, he's saying, like, I understand why she did this, but it really hurt. But then he says, my view on her has changed. I can't treat her the same way anymore. I feel like that's so beyond— It's an overreaction. I think it's an overreaction, and I think— it's the point is that she was feeling scared and vulnerable and felt like she needed to lie about something scary that had happened to her in the past and that it really didn't have anything to do with him. And he's writing to us. <laughs> he's not writing to us. Um, he's writing because this is a problem that he's feeling. And I wish that instead he was thinking about how to support his girlfriend since this is the first time she's been intimate with someone outside of a relationship that was manipulative and seemingly abusive. And it scares me that that's not where his mind is going. Like, I I wish that was where he was thinking. Yeah, I guess I can't stop my gender bias here because I'm, like, putting myself in his shoes, which I guess I should be putting myself in her shoes. But I'm like, if someone lied to me about the fact that they were a virgin, I'd be like, well, you can have all sorts of STDs that, like, I assumed we didn't have to worry about. And that would make me feel unsafe if someone had told me that they were a virgin and they were not a virgin. But I guess he is not saying, and so now I feel unsafe. So I'm like projecting my own. Like it would really bother me if I thought I was having sex with a virgin and it turned out that they had had sex. And would it bother you because you're no longer the first person to have seen them naked? But he he doesn't say that. He does not say. I can't believe I'm not the first one who saw her naked. Every time she mentions her body, I remember how she lied about me being the first one to see it. Yeah, that she lied. You keep talking about him being upset that she lied, but I'm not convinced she even lied. Because based on the circumstances that he describes with her ex-boyfriend, her always being drunk, earlier I said this is probably what 
she wants to be true is that she wants to be a virgin, but I'm not even sure she's wrong to say that she is a virgin. If this is the first time where she's having consensual sexual experiences that she's excited about, like maybe that is an appropriate time to say that she's a virgin. I think she would be totally within her rights to say that. I have a lot of thoughts and feelings. So like, I think that you are absolutely right that she, if she wants to think of herself as a virgin prior to having a positive sexual consensual experience, like that is absolutely her right because we have a lot of complicated, historical, ridiculous ideas about what virginity is. And I think it is something that like every person should be able to claim for themselves, right? Like the first time somebody who's gay gets to have sex with somebody who they're actually attracted to and not that like heteronormativity says that they were supposed to have sex with, right? Like that is a kind of loss of virginity and that is a different kind of special experience. And I think that people should be able to say, claim whatever it is that they want about that. I just also am somebody who I'm like, but penetrative sex has medical implications and he is not bringing those concerns up here, but I would feel lied to if the implications for my body were medically different because I was given false information, even if that false information was for really good emotional reasons, really valid reasons, I would be troubled by that lie, right? Like, I would be like, now we both need to go get STI testing because you were drunk and you don't know exactly what happened, and I'm so sorry that happened to you, but is a lie that changes the situation. This guy is a jerk that he's like, oh, it turns out that she'd given someone else a blowjob before. Like, who cares? But I think that this concept of virginity is nonsense, and I think that medically we owe each other certain truths. So is there a medically accepted definition of a virgin? Like, are all— So are all lesbians who haven't had penis and vagina sex virgins? I mean, this whole situation is so messed up and entirely messed up against women. I was once doing a hospital visit as a chaplain to a young woman who's a lesbian. She was in so much pain, and they wouldn't do a CT on her because they had to do a urine test first to make sure she wasn't pregnant. And she said, I'm a lesbian. And they said, it doesn't matter. We still have to do it. And she said, I've literally— never had a penis, like, near me. And they were like, sorry, you are a woman of a certain— you are a fertile woman, and so we have to keep you in pain and do a pregnancy test. Like, it was the wildest thing. And so I feel like we never believe women about their bodies, and it's like, oh, your hymen was broken because you fell in a certain way. Are you still a virgin? So I'm not sure. I feel like it's different from one doctor to the next. Like, I feel like— I really feel like a woman doctor in that moment would have been like, oh, fine. Let's just do the CT scan. I don't know. I just want to understand more about the history of virginity because this is annoying the hell out of me. On the one hand, it feels like all this talk about virginity is just like another way that men and the patriarchy and the medical establishment is trying to control women's bodies. And on the other hand, I'm like, well, there are actual physical and medical implications. Like, if you don't have penetrative sex with a penis, then you shouldn't have to wait for your CT scan. I think there is someone who knows more about these definitions than we do, and I think she is Harvard Divinity School professor Amy Hollywood. I agree. Also, Amy's beautiful. I love Amy so much.
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Amy. Hi, Vanessa. Um, Amy, do you mind introducing yourself to everybody, like telling them your title and what you do for a living? I'm happy to do that. I am the Elizabeth H. Monrad Professor of Christian Studies at Harvard Divinity School, and I teach the history of Christianity, history of Christian thought and philosophy of religion, religion and gender, and— You spend a lot of time with me. I spend a lot of time with you. Most importantly. (laughs) So, Amy, we brought you into the studio today because— You are an expert in, like, Christian medieval thought and history. Okay, yes. And my gut, although I don't know, is that our modern conceptions of virginity are based in large part due to medieval Christian thought and is, like, born out of certain things that were set up during that time. Okay. I'm wondering what you can tell us about modern conceptions of virginity and their roots in the church. Okay, so I think actually many of the modern conceptions of virginity come from early Christianity as much, if not more, than from medieval Christianity, although it's the same, a shared set of conversations. And and even in the early Christian period and the medieval period, there was this idea that women, in order to be holy or pure or capable of being in some kind of relationship with God, that they were more able to do that if their bodies were pure. And that meant intact, like physically intact virginity. Uh, But the thing that's interesting is there were actually debates with people. There were debates about, okay, well, if someone is raped and their hymen is not intact, but their will was not part of the act, do they still count as virgin or not? And some people said yes, and some people said no, because the whole question of whether it was about your bodily intactness or whether it was about your intention and what you were doing, that was something that mostly men, no, entirely men, excuse me, were fighting about in terms of how they defined what counted as virginity. And so my instinct as somebody who is very wary of the patriarchy but actually has very little academic knowledge of this, is that one of the motivations for men wanting to control women's virginity in this way is a question of paternity, right? It's once your hymen is intact, you can get away with—you can sleep with a million men. We won't be able to physically tell. And then if you get pregnant— We won't know whose baby it is. Yes. I I think that in terms of the marriage market, which is probably the aptest way to call it, um, that's totally true. It was like, I need to know that you haven't ever been with anyone else so that any progeny, any children you have will be mine. I don't think that Kate Middleton had to do a virginity test, but 
Diana did. So they, so it's still a thing in royal families and royal, you know what I mean, in places that care about, deeply about the lineage and are we sure this is the right blood, even though they can do DNA testing and stuff now to be sure, but like the the old, those older views are there. So yeah, I think that's totally right. And I think that 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 that, that kind of virginity where it's like virginity up until marriage was one thing that was about protecting the lineage of the male-dominant families. And then there was this added thing, which is like, oh, and by the way, if you can stay that way forever, you'll get closer to God, you'll be holy. You know, there's a there's a religious value placed upon. So the positive side of virginity for me in the Middle Ages is that women could get away from the whole patriarchal setup by being like, oh, I'm going to go in this comment over here with all these ladies and like, not have sex and— Or have lesbian sex. Or have lesbian sex, true, um, and not be under the control. I mean, they still were under control of bishops and stuff, but have relative autonomy compared to what married women had. Yeah. Um, And was virginity considered to help with male godliness? Like, as a man, did you have to stay a virgin in order to have better access to God? Not as much. I mean, it it was nice— it was more chastity. It was more like sow some wild oats and then, and then, commit. devote yourself and commit. Um, virginity was a key aspect of the saintliness of women. For men, it was kind of a nice add-on, but it wasn't essential. And I really appreciate that distinction between virginity and chastity. Right? Chastity right. is a choice and a vow that you make, but you can make it after you've had sex. Exactly. Whereas- People made it when they were married. So married couples would like take vows of chastity together and enter convents and monasteries and live religious lives after, sometimes after they'd had kids, sometimes, you know, um, at various points in their in their lives. And in the early Christian period, that was, in many people's minds, the ideal form. Like, you'd marry, you'd have some kids, and then you would take vows of chastity and live together as brother and sister or in convents or monasteries. I actually think that sounds great. <laughs> You're signing up for that plan. Yeah, I'm like, I now snore. Why should we share a room anymore? You go there, I'll go here. We'll like have dinner together every night. So you're going for the chastity plan. I guess so. <laughs> I also just want to focus in on this like body intactness, yeah. right? Because like basically if a woman were to just like break her hymen from some sort of like sporting activity, that would have mattered to certain religious thinkers at the time as far as their purity. Even if they had never had sex, if their hymen wasn't intact, then their ability to access God was compromised. For some people, yeah. Um, but the kind of things that they would fight, debate about was there was a sacking of a city in Germany and these nuns f- were escaping from the convent. They were trying to get away from these marauding soldiers and some of them were raped. And so the question was like, well, are they still virgin? And that that kind of thing became the subject of a big debate where people on one side were like, yes, they're still virgin because it was not, they resisted all the way. Um, and other people were like, no, the physical intactness is crucial to their virginity. And at this time, heaven had all these hierarchies, so you were closer to God depending on how holy you were. So it wasn't like you're going to go to hell. It was like you're going to be a little lower down on the scale. Like you're going to be a little further away from God because you won't have that physical intactness. So, Amy, how do you see those conceptions that were born in early and medieval Christianity like bearing out in today's world? Or do you? Do you feel like we in this like progressive society have moved past all that? No, I don't think we've moved past it all at, at all. And I think that one of the things 
that I see is this almost, I want to say confusion, but that might be the wrong word, between either you're supposed to be sexually active when you're, you know, 14 and otherwise there's something freakish about you or 16 or whatever age people think is the appropriate age. It varies. Um, So that the girl or the adolescent or the young woman who is a virgin feels like a freak if they have not had sex um, within one framework and, um, and, and feels like there's something wrong with them that they have to explain or that they are so ashamed they wouldn't even talk about. So I think there's a a kind of virginity that in a non-religious context that people just don't even talk about because they're because it's so embarrassing or it's seen as being so shameful or so abnormal yeah. to use the language. And then on the other hand, you have, and it's not just Christian communities, but those are the ones I know, you have Christian communities that are really pushing of pro-abstinence, pro-virginity until marriage, pro um, chastity, if you happen to have fallen, but we can get you back on the train um, to to goodness until marriage agenda. And it feels very much like it feels even more stark and more and more stringent and more unforgiving than some of the early Christian and medieval models. And it's often, these things are often these Christian, some of these Christian movements are often very geared towards you belong to your daddy until you get married and then you will be given to your husband by your daddy. Um, and this involves, I don't know the names of the different groups, but this involves groups where it's, you you, you have a, a father-daughter dance and you dedicate yourself to virginity and you get a ring from your father that you wear and then you wear that until the time when you're going to be engaged to the person you will marry in a heterosexual bond. So it's really taking the old patriarchal notions of if not the girl in her entirety, her sexuality belongs to daddy and then belongs to whoever he gives it to in terms of the marriage, it's really, I find, very disturbing. Well, and I suspect I know the answer to this question, but just to be a fair interviewer, are there, like, similar practices for mothers and sons? Not to my knowledge. I don't know of anything that's as widespread. There are some chastity clubs that include boys and girls um, and others, actually, because it's also it's also an interesting thing where it's crept into the LGBTQI community also as a, like, you can be all those things, but also be, you know, in control of your sexuality. So, actually, and the, the other thing is— um, this is a big thing both in white evangelical and conservative Christian communities and in African-American um, conservative Christian communities and probably in Asian-American too. I don't know. Um, I don't know how far it goes outside the United States. But in the United States, it's a, a movement that cuts across racial lines. Yeah. In romance novels, virginity is really interesting because, first of all, a lot of romance novels are obviously Regency romance novels. And so there are these like political and economic forces at play that would, like, keep somebody, uh, keep a woman a virgin. Um, But almost entirely in Regency romance, the woman is a virgin and the man is a reforming rake who has had a lot of sex. Right. And, like, that is, I I mean, it's definitely the bulk of the Regency uh, heterosexual novels that I've read. And then even in contemporary romance, it will often deal with a woman's virginity, but almost never a man's virginity. And, in fact, I think that 
I would say a non-representative number of like 25-year-olds in romance novels, in contemporary romance novels, are still virgins. And I think that it's about this like chosenness. It's like, I've only ever been with one man. He is my true love. That there is like a a romance to the fact that you've only ever been with one man. I also think there's that when you first were describing this situation, I thought of another reason, which is that the idea that women don't really want to have sex until they're overwhelmed by a passion and a love that just sweeps them off their feet. Just something in our representations of masculinity and femininity means, suggests, or carries with it the idea that the the intensity of the man's desire is if he just wants you after he's had all these other women. Whereas with for the woman, it's like, I wouldn't have anybody, but now I'll have you. So the logic of what constitutes intensity of love or sexual desire is completely opposite for men and for women as it's represented within this popular imagination. So, Amy, the real reason we brought you in is so that I could (laughs) read you a love advice question from Reddit and get your point of view. Okay. And you know how much I love Julia Argy. Yes. She and I fought about this question. Ah, interesting. Okay, so I'm now going to read you this Reddit question. Okay. My long-distance girlfriend of eight months claimed she was a virgin since the beginning of the relationship without me even asking. I don't know how to cope with this and move on. I still love her so much, but my view on her has changed, and I can't seem to treat her in the way I did before. I ran into his social media page. (laughs) Suddenly, like, pictures of my girlfriend just kept popping up, and I don't know where they came from. Yeah. Okay, so my initial thoughts are, like, this guy already didn't trust her, and he's already looking and Googling and trying to find out, like, what her backstory is, which doesn't feel like a great—I mean, we all do that. Not surprising. Surprised it took eight months. Why eight months in did he suddenly um, run into the ex-boyfriend's social media page? The fact that he's online Googling her ex-boyfriend speaks to me of somebody who's kind of controlling and manipulative himself, at least potentially. Really? You don't just run into somebody's social media page. No, but I go down rabbit holes where I'll, like, I'll look if somebody has posted old photos, new photos of their kid. Right. And then I see an ex-girlfriend. I'm like, who did that person date in 2001? Like, not because I care, but— but because I'm bored. But there's a big difference about doing it when it's somebody that you don't care totally. about. Totally. I'm just saying that— Versus doing we, it when it's somebody you actually do care about. Yeah, I'm just saying that, like, those things are about self-loathing. They can be about boredom. I usually do those things out of self-loathing and self-doubt, not about doubting somebody else. I can't separate those two things. Oh, okay. I can't. I Fair can't. Enough. I can't pull apart— I think a lot of controlling people are controlling because they're full of self-loathing and self-doubt. So I don't think that those are necessarily separate issues. And so, and I don't want to, I mean, this sounds terrible. It sounds like I'm pathologizing this poor guy. And I don't mean to, you know, who knows? Like, it could be that that he's— he says some really jerky things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it it feels to me like this is a relationship that— does not have a lot of a future to it because there's been too much lying and then too much ferreting out of the lies and distrust generated by that. But none of that has to do with whether she's a virgin or not for me. 
Do you know what I mean? It's not because she was a virgin or not a virgin. And I also can understand if if what she's saying is true, why she would have felt really uncomfortable telling him what that story was. I totally get that. But but there's a difference between not telling the story of what happened and having a fully concocted alternative narrative in which you're the first, you're the only, you're the one. So So something just feels off to me in terms of the way they're both thinking about sexuality and but mainly I mean it's not even about the sex for me it's more about the I mean it is of course because if she was abused and you know yes but but it also feels about it feels like a lot of it's about honesty and dishonesty so I totally understand if you have gone through like a multi-year relationship that was full of manipulation and sexual abuse why you would want to imagine out loud about how your first feel, uh, feelings of being in a healthy relationship would be your actual first experience, right? That, like, right. You, to, like, create a counter-narrative for yourself. Right. Where Julia and I disagree is that I come down on the right to feel betrayed by someone lying about their sexual history mm-hmm. if you are having sex with them. Right. Because of protection choices. Right. Like, informed consent means that you have all of the relevant information. And right. if you think someone is a virgin— Right. There's all sorts of choices that could get made. Yeah. And so, like, to me, I'm—like, I don't judge her for, like, what I would imagine to be the psychology of her choices. But I think that being adult enough to have sex means being adult enough to be— honest about your sexual history. And what was Julia's view? And Julia's point of view, which I find really compelling and, like, hard to disagree with, is that this young woman felt like a virgin. She was like, I never had consensual sex. Like, I—and I I think that everybody should be able to, like, narrate their own sexual history and, like, tell their own story in their own words. But it just materially matters to me that, like, medically it's not true. And then I feel like the old bishops being like, well, the nuns have been raped. Right, too late. Right, right, They're right, right. sullied, which isn't how I feel, obviously. But I just, I'm, like, a big believer in, like, fully informed consent and think that if you are in a sexual relationship with someone, you have the right to all of the sexual information that they have told you they have given you. I mean, the thing that bothers me about the Reddit piece or the question is the form of the question was not, I feel terrible for her that this happened to her. It wasn't, I wish she had been able to tell me like what had actually happened. And that points to some breakdown in our communication. That is a worry for me. It's all about, I feel sexually betrayed. And that, I mean, that just to me reads... Like, this guy's kind of a jerk. Oh, yeah. It's and, totally icky and, when he's like, every time I see her naked, I think of how somebody—I'm yeah, like, gross. And, and, the, and the idea that it mattered so much to him. So so in that sense, um, well, I'm not, I'm not with either of you guys, actually. Because, I, I mean, I'm with Julia in the sense I think this guy's a jerk. But I, I also— I think the guy's a jerk. No, 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 I know. Okay, we're all agreed he's a jerk. Um, but, but I also think that—I also think—I don't know. Like, there's something about her story, which I wish she could have shared with him, but I understand probably why she didn't. And it's not just because it was necessarily abusive, but this is the thing. So— so there's something about her story that I don't quite— I mean, even the fact that she could go from this situation where she was manipulated 
only had sex when she was drunk or threatened that he would break up with her. It's a terrible, situ- horrible situation to one where she has to say, I'm virgin. Like that those are the two extremes in which she can imagine sexuality happening or in which they do happen for her. Like that's just a replication of the problem that we're talking about where women aren't allowed to have like an active, curious sexuality that like fucks around some and then can also fall in love with somebody and have that be a relationship of a different sort than what went on before it. I'm not saying that's what she was doing. It sounds like a much more difficult situation. Well, this also, I think, speaks to the stigma of being an abuse victim, right? Like you you don't want to talk about your abuse in your new relationship and then like, right? Like there are all sorts of reasons, including PTSD, that you like don't necessarily want to talk about abuse. So maybe this is where you and I are ending up that I think maybe I'll bring back to Julia and we'll see if she agrees. Okay. Is like, I am projecting my own anxieties onto this guy. This guy has not said, and I'm really worried about health concerns because we chose not to use a condom because she was a virgin. Right, right, right. And on the pill. And so everything was fine. Um, So I'm projecting that concern onto him and his lack of concern for her seems to be about this, like, I thought I was with a virgin, and I wasn't. Right. Like, whininess, and that that is bad. I mean, I think the thing I would add to it is health concerns matter, both mental health and physical health stuff, and he doesn't talk about either. Bad dude. Questionable. Questionable dude. (laughs) Amy, thank you so much. You are brilliant, as always, and just thank you so much for spending some time with us. You're welcome. So, Julia, what did you think of what our beloved Amy had to say? I was so glad to hear that you and I are reliving the discourse of medieval bishops. <laughs> yes, and who knew that I was the more conservative bishop? Um, talking it through, like thinking out loud with Amy and realizing that I was like, hymen intactness is key, did make me feel real gross <laughs> real quick. I still just stand by that I think that we always have the right to as much information to make proper medical decisions, but this guy super doesn't seem like he's worried about his health or her health. And not only not only he's not worried about health, but Amy brought up how it seemed like he was worried about other things in the relationship before to somehow ascertain from some social old social media photos that she had had sex, which once Amy brought that up, I was so interested as to what those photos could possibly look like. I know. I was, when I was rereading it to Amy, that stuck out to me, too. Like, what? Social media-appropriate photos of her and the ex would be online for her him to be like, I guess they actually had sex. Yeah. We'll like, just... intercourse. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know what those social media photos were of. And I guess we'll never know. <laughs> I'm glad that Amy came in to bridge the divide in our friendship. I was worried we wouldn't come back from this, but we did. So do you think that we should keep the title of this episode, He's Horrible, or should we rename it Questionable Man? I'm happy to change it to Questionable Man. Oh, that's interesting because I've been convinced, and I'm like, no, I'm okay with it being He's Horrible. I'm a people pleaser. If Amy, What Amy wants, I do. Julia, what are you up to right now? You said you would take me swimming. Are you not taking me swimming? No, I'm going to take you swimming. Let's go swimming. I just forgot. That's great. I just got a new swimsuit. Great. I have an old swimsuit. Let's go. (laughs) This has been Questionable Man, an episode of Hot and Bothered. 
please go and support us on Patreon. It is the only way that we are able to make this podcast work, and your support means so much to us. If you go on to Patreon, you can get amazing perks like romance reviews from Ariana and I. You can get stickers. You can get love advice answered by me. You're welcome ahead of time. And you can get specially designed notebooks only available to our patrons. This episode of Hot and Bothered was co-hosted by me, Vanessa Zoltan, and Julia Argy, executive produced by Ariana Nettleman. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Rompod. Please leave us a review on iTunes. It is how people find out about us. And thank you so much to everybody who's already left iTunes reviews, especially to all of you who used Froyo in your reviews. Brilliantly done. That includes Chris in San Jose, Madeline Ann, and Frillinzy, and many more who we will continue to thank. We are a co-production of Not Sorry Productions and Spoke Media. Our production team is Chelsea Erson, Julia Argy, Bridget Goggin, Nora Murphy, Jeanielle Kastner, Caroline Hamilton, Jenna Hannum, Will Short, and Jonathan Villalobos. Our music is from First Calm and by Nick Bull. Special thanks this week to the amazing Amy Hollywood, who is the love of my life. Thanks, and we'll talk to you next week. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.